You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. I always keep it funny and I always keep it cute. And if you're like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, go and give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram or just join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below. You're also going to want to snag some fizzy house wife's inspired rosé for yourself packing a punch at 14% alcohol by volume but less than a gram of sugar I designed it perfectly today I'm drinking now tell me who gonna check me boo inspired by Sheree's epic return to Real Housewives of Atlanta or actually we don't know if it's gonna be epic yet we have to wait until it actually plays out but I'm excited about it I want her to give us another check me boo moment so if you want to celebrate head over to nofilterwine.com that's nofilterwine.com to stock up on your housewives inspired rosé so today's guest has all the juicy details on the real housewives past present and probably future i trust him as like a go-to source at this point you might know him for his recaps or his articles on vulture or you probably read his new york times best-selling book the housewives the real story behind the real housewives please welcome new york times best-selling author brian moylan Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You forgot the president and founder of the Real Housewives Institute. Yes. But you are forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's your newsletter, right? Yes. Well, that we have I have a newsletter called the Housewives the it, Housewives Institute Bulletin, which because I was calling my recaps the Real Housewives Institute for many years. But so now we have a newsletter every two weeks on Fridays. Love that. And now yeah. so so what is your role at Vulture now, now that you are like a published author? Obviously, you've co-written and ghostwritten for other people in the past, but now you have your own book. It's a New York Times bestselling book. Like, are you like, OK, Vulture, I'm ready to like sail off into the sunset. I'm Andy Cohen now and I'm ready to leave Bravo. <laughs> um, I just freelance for Vulture. I freelance for everywhere. Um, I mostly write for Vulture these days and then I do book projects. So I wrote my book. I do a lot of ghostwriting. Uh, and other things like that. So, um, yeah, so I'm just keeping on. I do my newsletter for Vulture. I do the recaps there for OC, Beverly Hills, New York, Vanderpump Rules, Southern Charm, mm-hmm. Summer House, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race UK. I mean, oh, the are, list goes on and on and on. Are you excited for Winter House? I am very excited for Winter House, particularly because... Kyle Cook and I are married in my head. Oh, yes. So are Carl and, Radke and I. Yeah. So, oh, we're like fantasy brothers-in-law practically yes. at this point. Um, yeah. So I watched the first episode. I loved it, obviously. So I'm very excited for it. I just think those kids are so fun. And unlike the housewives at the end of the day, their drama so stupid and they get over it and then they're friends. And so I find it to be a much more relaxing that sometimes than some of the housewives shows. Do you think this like winter house, summer house, Southern charm, do you think that's going to like um end up taking over the network as housewives kind of fade to the background or you think housewives will always reign supreme i well currently the highest rated show on bravo is below deck original recipe beating out real housewives of atlanta how who the fuck is watching that well i guess a lot of people are i heard it's good i should probably get on board I haha. Um, I was very resistant for a long time because I was like, I can't watch every show on Bravo. Mm-hmm. And then during the pandemic, I watched all below decks everywhere. And I really enjoy it. I think a lot of straight people like it. I think a lot of non-housewivesy people like it because there's not as much drama, though there is drama, but uh, I highly recommend it. But yeah, that's if anyone's going to take over from Housewives, it's probably going to be the below deck people. They're doing another one in Australia. Uh, so they're going to keep growing that franchise. But I really like this Southern Charm, Winter House, Summer House universe that we're creating where it's like younger and funner and more partying. I feel like it's taking the place that Vanderpump Rules has vacated. Yeah. How are you feeling about Vanderpump? It's awful. I mean, let's just be honest. Uh, I'm still recapping it. I don't love it. I'm trying to 
take the best that I can from it. But it just seems so manufactured now. And I don't care as much about a lot of the people or at least what they're trying to show us. So I, yeah, I feel like the show's lost its way a little bit. How many more seasons would you give it before you think they're going to pull the plug? Um, maybe one, the ratings literally halved from the premiere of season eight to season nine went from like 1.2 million, which is about on par with the rest of the housewife shows to 600,000, which is fewer than real houses of Dallas had before that got canceled, but that might've got it canceled for racial reasons too. So who can say, but yeah, I, I think the writing is on the wall and I feel bad for Lisa Vanderpump. She had her show tank. She had Vanderpump dogs tank. She had that ABC rebel Wilson show tank. Now Vanderpump rules is tanking. She's in trouble. She is in trouble. And that's what I was going to ask. Like, what do you think is going to, because now we hear that there's a, you know, rumor that she might, she's considering returning to Beverly Hills, but she wants a $2 million contract. But but I'm like, you need to earn that contract. You left the show halfway, didn't film the reunion. And every show you've tried to do since then has continued to circle the drain. And I don't know how many people are watching her, her podcast. Um, I mean, do you think we're we're going to see her sail off into the sunset or you think she's going to try to milk this TV train as long as she can? I think she's going to try to milk this TV train as long as she can. And I think that she'll end up somewhere. I think that she has a ton of fans and that is still valuable. But is it if though? Because that's play, the thing. If, she has a lot of fans and they're very loud on Twitter, but they're not showing yeah. up for her. No, they sure aren't. I mean, she she was getting like 200,000 people watching that e-show, which I actually kind of enjoyed. Yeah, so, I thought it was the best of what was on the table. Yeah, and so if anyone planted that rumor about her coming back to Real Housewives of Beverly Hills for $2 million, it was Lisa Vanderpump herself. Because A, she's never going to get that kind of money. I mean, the highest paid housewife of all the franchises is Candy Burris, and she makes just north of, $2 million for Real Housewives of Atlanta, which is the highest rated of all the Housewives shows. So there's no way Lisa Vanderpump is going to make that money, especially because Real Housewives of Beverly Hills does not need her. Like no. the ratings are better than ever and she's not on it. So yeah. it's not like she can say, oh, it's not like she can be like Nini and yeah. say, oh, well, ratings are better when I'm around. Exactly. So. Or Bethany. Nini and Bethany were able to play that card because of the value they brought to the show. The way she yes. left, I think, left the show in a place of like sink or swim. And they just rallied together and had to make the show work without her. And, you know, I think she shot herself in the foot and she continues to. And from what I understand, when she left and wouldn't do the reunion, she pissed off a lot of higher ups at Bravo. And so I don't think that they're interested in having her back under houses. Yeah. Well, because even so, even Nene and Bethany still knew when to play and to play it out. You know, they still showed up for all the reunions. They did all their press commitments. Yeah. They did their job. You know, they didn't leave yeah. mid contract. Yeah, but Nini has done herself no favors yeah, now no, no, no. that she's, she's gone yeah, for the second time. Yeah, she really, she, her, yeah, her and Vicky and Lisa, like they all just kind of let their egos get the best of them and ended up just yeah. kiboshing their relationship with the network. Well, and that's what I was fascinated by. So when I was doing this uh, the research for my book, The Housewives Call and the Real Story Behind the Real Housewives, Bravo did not participate and they had emailed all the housewives and told them not talk to me and which made it very difficult. And I did end up talking to about a dozen real housewives, but um, some on the record, some off, but so many women who I approached said that they didn't want to do it because they wanted to get back on the show. And these are people who are never getting back on the show, but they're all still holding out hopes that one day that call might come or now that they're doing Real Housewives back from the dead at Dorinda's house, yeah. you know, Ghosts of Housewives past. Are you, for, are you referring to called up for that. Dana Wilkie? Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually did Dana Wilkie's podcast um, because she asked me to on a lark. And um, it was kind of crazy. She was like, why didn't you reach out to me? And I was like, I did reach out to you. And like, nobody responded. That- and then she was like, let me tell you about your book. And then she like went through my book and told me like 
how she thought I was wrong about these no, things. And I was like, she's, this is as much of an interview as it is me sitting here listening to you like tear my book apart. But okay, did it, Wilkie. But she delivered on the craziness I was hoping for yeah. when I said I would go on her podcast. So well, go, I did an Instagram live and she happened to pop into it one day and did something very similar where like she took she hijacked my Instagram live and was like, you never sent me free because I have my housewives wine. She's like, you never sent me free wine. And I was like, first of all, it's available at nofilterwine.com, Dana. You can purchase it anytime you want. <laughs> but I ended up sending her. Also, bitch, I need to make money. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, she's funny. Um. Is there another Housewives book in the works or another just Brian Moylan book in the works? Um, I am working on some ideas right now. We'll see. I don't know. The research it took, especially faced with Bravo's opposition, yeah. was very time consuming and taxing. And so I'm not. I, I'm not ready to throw myself into another giant research project yeah. <laughs> um, right now. I think I exhausted Housewives, at least in book form for now. So uh, we'll see. Maybe I'll do another reality show. Maybe I'll do a scripted show. Who knows? I don't know. I'm still figuring it all out. I have to say it was really well researched. I know a lot of the housewives you were like cock blocked from being able to talk to them, but you got a lot of really good sources. And what I liked about the book is it gives you not just like the history of the housewives, but you get into like the history of Bravo. Like I was so ex like shocked to learn that there used to be soft core porn on the network, you know, like all yes. these fun little tidbits that get us into the history of the network and how Bravo evolved and how housewives was born and, and kind of chronicling everything that's happened throughout the past, what, 15, 16 years since OC yeah. debuted. It's really, it's a yeah. really good read. No. And I think it's important to talk about, yeah, like Bra housewives didn't come out of nowhere. So I think it's important to see like, the cultural need it fulfills, why it's on Bravo, why, you know, it's how it's taken over Bravo, how it, you know, Bravo has gone through a series of changes over the years and how Housewives plays into that. And I think it's all important about our understanding of that. And I think a lot of people now are like, oh, I'm a Bravo-holic, I'm a huge Bravo fan. Yeah. And to them, that's just Housewives. And, you know, that's, they weren't around for Top Chef and Queer yeah. Eye or, you know, all those other things that came before it that really paved the way for the Bravo we know and love today. <laughs> yes. Um, so I think the question on top of everybody's mind is, have you purchased a copy of Not All Diamonds and Rosé? Um, I have not. I live in the UK and I don't know that it's available for sale here. So and no one sent me a copy. <laughs> so I haven't purchase that. Are I'm you sure I'll read it? Maybe I'll take it out of the library or something. Mm. So I don't have to buy a copy and mm. support it. Do you have, but you've obviously seen all the headlines that have come out from what's been revealed in the book. Yeah, totally. And um, it's such a typical Bravo thing for like, they don't want you to know anything about production. They don't want you to know anything about Bravo. They don't want you to know anything about Andy, but they'll let the housewives trash each other yeah. like crazy. And so they're making money off of this book, off of cigarettes and Sonia Morgan's vagina. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that's kind of fucked up that they're willing to embarrass their stars, these women who have made them all this money, you know. Well, that's, that's because what Bethany they don't want anybody to know the truth about what's Bravo. going on at the network, well that's what so. bethany revealed or she tweeted about how she's like obviously she didn't she wasn't interviewed for the book but she's like you know it's it's so interesting to see that we're continuing to pit women against each other and there's a whole tell-all book that's us slandering and trashing each other and she's like have i been perfect no i haven't been perfect but like i don't continue i don't care to to continue to perpetuate this sort of you know environment of women not supporting other women Yes. Or to go back on, you know, and talk about Kelly Ben Simone and Scary Island again and, and rehash all that stuff. I mean, a lot of the things that we've seen about the book have been kind of trashing the ladies. And, you know, I think they really get the a raw deal out of this. They make, you know, less money. Bravo's making all the money they have. They can sell merch with their catchphrases on it. They can sell their likeness. They can do whatever they want. And like Bethany said, no one gets out of it without paying the price. Yeah. And and I really agree with that. And But, you know, I think this is 
I think a lot of some fans were disappointed by my book that it didn't have this kind of gossip in it. Yeah. Which, you know, I didn't really have access to because Bravo blocked me. And also I wanted to take a much larger look at the franchise than getting into all the nitty gritty and every fight and every season and and talk about like how the show gets made and and what it says about us that we watch it and all those kinds of things. So, you know, it's different. I think there's room for both of those yeah, books. I was going to say, I the think world. they complement each other in a way you can't read one without the other if you want the true you know like like not all diamonds and rose i'm reading it right now and it's good but it's like the housewives kind of sharing their experiences with like producers weighing in but you don't get the real behind the scenes you know scoop on the network or on the shows or on the casting and that's what i think your book does really well is it gives a much wider um scope or or peek into the Bravo world, which is probably why they ended up blocking you because they didn't want (laughs) you to reveal some of the things you'd be revealing. That is exactly correct. So, you know, and I think fans deserve to know both. Really. I mean, we're not idiots and, and I don't think that there's anything incredibly damaging to Bravo in my book, but they want control over the narrative. And so that's what happened. I mean, and to be fair, so, not yeah. all diamonds and rosé, though juicy, isn't really like a book. It's a it's a transcript of interviews that are kind of just strung together. Do you know Dave Quinn? Um, I do know Dave Quinn. Um, there's a chapter in my book where I went on vacation with Vicky Gumbelson, mm-hmm. and Dave was there, and we met there, and uh. And, you know, maintain a social media friendship since, you know, yeah. he lives in New York and I live in London. So um, it's weird. There aren't at nearly as many housewives people here in the UK. And but when you find them, because there are so few of them, that's like your friends for life. Yeah. So I have several friends here who it's like we just sit around and talk about Bravo and they come over and watch the shows and whatever. So. You know, I, I have my little tribe over here in London. I <laughs> love that. Um, so on Twitter, you alluded to the fact that this was originally your concept until Bravo kind of swooped in and ended up doing their own version. What was your original pitch and how did you come to the network with it? Um, I didn't. I had I sold the book idea and, you know, the original pitch was pretty much the book that I ended up writing, um, which was just about, you know, the history behind the scenes and cultural impact of the show. I sort of modeled my book on a book called Bachelor Nation by Amy Kaufman, which is about the Bachelor franchise, which Mm -hmm. is also excellent. And I was never a Bachelor fan, but as a fan of reality television, I read the book and I was like, why has anyone done this for the housewives? And so that was my idea. And I'd always had a good relationship with Bravo before from doing my recaps and whatever I've been doing for all these years. And so I wanted them to hear it from me and kind of approach them and said, hey, I'm doing this book. And then we talked about partnering and I shared with them my outline. I shared with them a list of people who I'd want to interview. You know, they knew about the book. Dave knew about the book when I was, you know, I talked to him about it when I was in on vacation with Vicky. And so, yeah, they all knew about it. And then next thing you know, they're, they're working on their own. So, you know, when did you, how far into your book process did you find out about Dave's book? I was close to done. Mm. Um, I think I had done all my, I was doing a lot of research and it, it took a lot, a long time uh, because, you know, Bravo was blocking things. And, you know, I was literally like, going through people's LinkedIn's to see who had worked at Bravo and sending them like cold emails through LinkedIn and shit like that. Just like hardcore, like old school shoe leather reporting. And that, you know, that took a long time, but then once the pandemic started, you know, I had a few, uh, interviews lined up. And once the pandemic started, they kind of fell away. And so then I was like, okay, no one else is going to talk to me. We're going through this shit. So then I just sat down and finished like writing the rest of the book and then was, yeah, yeah, I was close to done when I found out about Dave's book and had a few more chapters left to write and got it done. Yeah, I heard that they even like blocked you from going to BravoCon. They did. Yes, they uh, I 
uh, Vulture asked if I could have a press pass to go and they said, no, I couldn't go because I was writing this book. And so I just bought a ticket and went in disguise. I shaved my mustache and and I usually wear a uniform. I wear like a gray suit and a white shirt. And so I wore a sweatshirt and a baseball cap and went incognito. But excuse me, a bunch of fans of my recaps still right, saw me. Like, Brian, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, this this disguises shit. <laughs> so is there ice between you and Bravo? Has it melted now that the books are both kind of out and they've seen the reception of it? I mean, I hope so. I'm still a huge fan of the network. And yeah. while I'm critical of what they do, I'm, I still think they make great work. And I still think that, you know, they're doing great things. And I understand they have a job to do and they're doing it. And while I may disagree with how they're doing it, like, you know, that's what we're doing. And like, I get it. There's success out there for everybody. Yeah. There's room enough for all of us. We all love the same thing. You know, at the end of the day, it's all cool. But, you know, they still give me screeners to write recaps. Um, I haven't tried to write anything other than recaps in a while. They blocked me from writing a few art. Like I wrote an article for the New York times about how reality shows were dealing with reunions in the COVID age. Mm. And I told my editor who wanted me to include Bravo recaps that, Oh, I have this thing going on with Bravo. So she got in touch with them and said, Oh, if Brian's writing the story, we're not going to participate. So uh, I haven't, tried to write anything else to test the boundaries in a yeah. bit. So we'll see the next time we come up against them, what happens. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if I'm one of their favorite. I think I, I'm similar to you where like, I love the network and I have such an appreciation for it, but I'm also not afraid to call out the network when I think that something's being mishandled. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I've, I've definitely, so when I have to book Bravo guests on my show, I have to like find other ways around it. That's not directly through Bravo or catch them on an off season. Um, I even the whole feud between Lala and Ariana going into this new Vanderpump season was the interview that I did with Lala on my podcast. And then they conveniently, they played, right. they reached out to me and asked me to sign over the rights to play the interview, but didn't mention my name or the show. Like they played it on the show without giving me the credit. And I was kind of like, okay, I understand. I haven't played the politics game, but will right. we, will we, but also that's totally shady is that like, they won't give you anything until they need something from you. And then they'll take it and not even give you credit, yeah. which is like, yeah. kind of a classic bravo move but also a dick move it's like girl at least give us some publicity i literally podcast. drove your opening drama for the new season of vanderpump that had everybody watching i had i did the interview with sheena ariana and lala which stirred up the drama between all three of them going into the season and i was like you guys couldn't even give me like a, a to be fair in the very end of the credits there was a special thanks to zach peter at the very bottom but thanks, I was, girl. Thanks, That's girl. not gonna get nobody tuned into my I podcast. Gave, yeah, I gave you. Yeah, I gave you a storyline, and and that's the best that I got from this. Um, but so I'm pretty sure because everyone's like, you need to do the podcasters watch what happens live, and I was like, I don't think I'm ever gonna be invited to that. Yeah, they definitely have their favorites, <laughs> yeah. which like you know, okay, that's cool. Yeah. And some of their favorites are people that I really like and whose yeah. shows I've done, whose shows I like, and so you know, but. Yeah, I think that's true with uh, with everybody. Like, I don't know if I say this in the book, but I've been saying it about the book um, and about all this, which is everything about Real Housewives eventually turns into Real Housewives. Yeah. So it's like, you know, all this like apologizing and backbiting and fighting and drama and whatever. I mean, we're we love these shows for a reason yeah. <laughs> or maybe we've just internalized that so much that it just comes out in us. But, right. Yeah. No, it's so good. And I loved reading the housewives. Everyone, if you haven't gotten a copy yet, go and get the housewives, the real story behind the real housewives by Brian Moylan. Um, I do want to know what your thoughts are, Brian, about Beverly Hills. Obviously the, the season has come to an end. You did recaps yeah. for the season throughout. Are you watch? Obviously, you're watching the reunion. But what are your thoughts about what we're seeing thus far? Um, I really liked the last part of the reunion. I mean, people are excuse me. People are obviously going to disagree with me. Uh, I wrote 
I co-authored Erica Jane's memoir, Pretty Mess. So I know her and we have a relationship. And so I have been more willing, I think, to give her the benefit of the doubt than a lot of people have since she's someone I know, which I took plenty of heat for on social media and in the comments and blah, blah, blah. Okay, guys, I get it. Um, (laughs) But I thought in the last part of the reunion, she did a really good job. I mean, aside from a couple of questions, she answered everything that Andy threw at her. You know, I choose to believe her. So I... I believe what she said and she seemed to have good valid reasons for what she was saying. So I was pleased with that. I don't know how she's going to do in the next couple episodes where it looks like she's kind of calling something a con yeah. and some other things, but you know, I haven't been in her shoes, so I can't say how I would handle it. I don't yeah. know. I maybe with a little bit more equanimity than Erica, but yeah, she is like, she always wants to be so tough and yeah she doesn't want to look weak or vulnerable. And and I think that, uh, so she's struggled with that, but I mean, I think it's been a great season. I think all the Erica stuff was great, but on top of that, I think we had a lot of other great stuff. The whole thing with Sutton and crystal. I really liked Kathy Hilton was fantastic. Um, Garcelle and, uh, Dorit, I think, was some great action. And I also loved, there was that great conversation at the beginning of the season between, Crystal and Sutton, where she talked about why you shouldn't say I don't see color. I think there was that great conversation with Garcelle where she was like, you know, I come into every room and I'm different from everybody. So I think that there were some really good discussions about race and topical issues like that that were handled in a much deeper way and more interesting way than they were on New York and Dallas previously. So um, yeah, I thought it was a very, very solid season. I think the ratings reflect that and I can't wait for the next season of Beverly Hills. I know I'm, I'm excited for it. I mean, I know productions picked up again, but I think you're right. Beverly Hills did it well where they were able to stay topical to like the cultural climate that we're in and have these conversations that we needed to have. But my, my criticism of, Dallas and New York is it wasn't unfortunately we're we have a show that's about entertainment and that's about drama and that's what people are tuning in for so you have to make sure that when you're giving people these lessons it's palatable otherwise they tune out and they just don't listen to it and I think that's what we miss the mark with on a show like New York where it just it turned too many people off and then it was a missed opportunity to make that an educational moment for us to learn and see ourselves because ultimately at the end of the day whether we you know there are so many different women on the show we love it because there are elements of it that are aspirational, but also that we can relate to. There are women on the show that we relate to in our own lives. And I think that's why Beverly Hills did it really well, because we could see ourselves in the Dorit and Kathy Hilton moments where we say something and then we put our foot in our mouth and then we see somebody else's perspective and we're like, okay, now I understand why this comment was a little, you know, it was inappropriate or how it was tone deaf or how I, you know, said things like that in my own life. And now I realize I've never seen it played back to me. And now I see that didn't land the way in my head when I said it at that one time, I thought it was supposed to land, you know, and we're able to, to see ourselves in these women. No, absolutely. I think the great thing about Beverly Hills is it's always best when you keep it among the women. And and those conversations were about those women's relationships at the end of the day. And I think that the best conversations on New York was when Ebony's like, wait, you're calling me an angry black woman. And, you know, and it being about their relationships as opposed to just like talking about it. You know, like we always say in writing, like show don't tell. Like, I think that that was we were getting showing on Beverly Hills and we were getting telling on New York and on Dallas, we were just getting a bunch of racist being. (laughs) Which nobody wants to watch. Well, at least not me. So yeah. Yeah. In your experience working with Erica, you, you mentioned that she tries to be very tough. Did you kind of get that same sentiment working with her writing the book? And how did you kind of melt through that ice to get her to be vulnerable? Because I found the book very endearing and I even listened to the audio version of it. And I actually, you end up kind of liking her throughout reading the book because there is an element of vulnerability and, you know, she peels back those layers. I think that it's uh, you just need to get to know her. And I just think the more I talked to her and the the more, you know, we got down to it, the better she was. And I think that what was good about the book was she kind of got to share that a little bit on her own uh, 
schedule or her own, you know, using her own voice rather than it being mitigated through the show. And I think that, you know, this was obviously before everything that was going on with Tom, et cetera. So I think she's feeling especially vulnerable right now. And I mean, she's taking a lot of heat from a lot of people for a lot of different things, as well as dealing with, you know, her life being, you know, upended. And, you know, I thought it was really touching when she said in the reunion, like, I'm reassessing everything I thought was real. Like, that's got to be, you know, obviously she's still in a place of privilege and making a lot of money on the show and has a nice house, a nice car, whatever. But that's also got to be very psychologically difficult for a person to go through. So, um, yeah, I think she's probably being a little bit tougher now than even when I was working with her, but, um, I don't find her to be that tough. Like I think she's a lovely person, but yeah, you know, which, which says a lot though, because you have personal experience with her directly versus most people that watch her on the show. And like, look, the reality is, is she the most likable person on the show? No. Does she try to be? No. Like she, you know, it's a persona that's put on for the cameras and that's put on with this glitz and glamour lifestyle that I think when you actually get to know a person, it's very, you know, it's very different, which is why I think, you know, with housewives, you have good seasons, you have bad seasons, because ultimately we're seeing a three dimensional person or a four dimensional person that like you know you're seeing different sides of them every season because it's a show not just about one person's life it's multiple people on an ensemble cast absolutely and i always joke about how we don't want our reality shows or our reality stars to grow and change all that much (laughs) because it's like you know I want Ramona to learn a lesson, but also I don't want her to not be Ramona. Yeah. So you know I think the best uh, version of this is probably Stasi yeah. minus the racist stuff yeah. where it's like she started out really really awful and you s- saw her slowly get Whoa. a little bit less awful but then once you look under the covers it's still the same old well because it's Stassi. like you know and I say this all the time like we don't cast these people on these shows because they're upstanding citizens like we're casting them no. for the mess that they bring to the show like we have to remember the playing field it's like getting upset with a gladiator when throwing them in the, in the ring like you know it's just yeah. it is what yes. it is um, what do you think the future holds for the housewives as the housewives aficionado expert connoisseur that that chronicled the history where do you think it's going from here obviously now we have all the peacock spinoffs where we're mashing up all these shows we have winter house we have ultimate girls trip what do you think the future holds is it coming to an end well andy always said when the ratings got bad they just stick a bunch of them on an island and film that and so when they announced uh quote unquote ultimate girls trip, which I fucking hate. Um, <laughs> I still like to call it housewives all-stars yeah. when they cast housewives all-stars. Yeah. Um, I was a little nervous, but Peacock isn't going to invest all this money into all these different spinoffs. If they didn't think there was still a lot of juice left in the real housewives. And I think that there is the housewives fans, as you well know, are a very devout group of people. And so I think even if, at some point the audience shrinks enough that they leave Bravo and go just to Peacock. I still think that there's enough housewives fans to keep them going for a long time. And obviously the shows have lasted 15 seasons, 13 seasons, you know, however long. And I am a little worried about some of our older franchises like Atlanta, New York, uh, Orange County seem to be a little bit in trouble. Vanderpump rules, they've gotten a little stale. I think that the shows are best when there are organic connections between the women. And I think that the producers and Bravo would say the same. And I think that especially on orange County now it's been so long, like these women are only together because they're on the show. They don't really seem like friends. And so I think that there needs to be a way to rejuvenate some of these shows. I don't know if they got a little stale because of COVID or because they've been on too long or what the deal is, but I have full faith in Bravo and the production companies that make these shows to reinvigorate them. Because at the same time, we have Beverly Hills, which has an all-time great season. We have Potomac, Salt Lake City, which are still delivering majorly every week. So there's still life in the old gal yet, but I think that some of them need to be 
Ice. souped up a little bit. I yeah. Think. Well, now we have them bringing back Miami. Do you think yes. that we need to be bringing shows back or do you think we need to be putting some of these shows on ice or maybe kind of wrapping them up altogether? I mean, I think that it, what's always best is when you find a great group of women with organic connections to each other. And I think that maybe you want to start looking in other places or start looking for another group of these women in New York, Orange County or somewhere else and seeing where that takes us. Um, And maybe, you know, kind of in some of the cities starting over from scratch and then taking some of the great people like Lisa Vanderpump or Ramona Singer and doing other types of shows with them and other places. Um, You know, I think that there are a lot of possibilities out there. I'm really excited for Miami. I always liked Miami. And so I'm excited to see it come back. But I think that there are every they keep finding us great housewives you know like where did you get mary cosby from where do you get jen shaw from where do you get leah mcsweeney from it's like 15 years in and we're still getting these like great women who are giving us great television and i think that there's still plenty of them out there i think they just need to find them and figure out the best way to get them to us is and you know there's a quote in my book from sarah galley who has a podcast and she says uh, I don't believe in God, but I have faith in the Real Housewives. I kind of feel exactly yeah. the same way. Like, I have faith that they're going to do the right thing. Now that we have these mashup shows, I don't know if you were ever a fan of, like, the old VH1 of love shows with Flavor of Love and Rock of Love. I, I love how they took those shows and they took, like, the all-stars of those shows and then they created entirely new shows like I Love Money where they all had to compete for, you know, a quarter of a million dollars or Charm School where they brought the baddest of the bad and tried to, you know, etiquette them up a little bit. I would love, I wouldn't mind testing out that theory here as well with like a Ramona and a Kenya and you throw them in a Charm School together and like see who can really be the most reformed housewife. I mean, I think they should have uh, the next season of RuPaul's Drag Race should just be housewives. (laughs) Right. Like this would actually be fun to see them compete with each other because they're so competitive as it is. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, I'm excited for Girls Trip and whatever we're calling the Dorinda's House show. I like that it's the Dorinda's House show. Like it's Dorinda's show with just all these other former housewives. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm excited for that. If only to see like all these women in the same space and interacting with each other. I don't think it's going to be as good as a season of Housewives just because I don't think they have those deep connections that the women on those shows have with each other. But I think it'll be a fun time. I agree. Okay, are you ready for to close out with some shady spitfire, Brian? Ooh. I love no kind of spitfire as much as I love a shady spitfire. (laughs) Okay. um, First up, who is the new queen of Vanderpump Rules? Is it Lala? Is it Sheena? Is it Katie? Oh, my God. I would like to give it to Ariana because she's my favorite. But I think that the queen so far this season has been Lala. Yeah, I agree. People hate her, but she has reigned supreme. She wasn't even an OG from the beginning. I know. I hate her sometimes, but I also love her. I hate the way she behaves, but I also love her. I love her. Um, On a scale of one to ten, how likable would you rate Jen Shaw this season from what we've seen thus far, not from what we know in the news? Oh, like a three? I mean, she's. I find her to be awful. Even before all this, like last season, I was like, she's horrible. I can't. Um, is Seth actually getting laid or are all of his sex jokes trying to compensate for something? The latter. <laughs> Did Lisa Barlow tell the caters to pull out? A hundred percent. You think she 100 did? A million percent. And she totally fucking set that shit up at the restaurant too. Oh yeah, that was a whole thing because they came out and they knew their lines and you could see them looking at their cards down under the table. Yeah, I mean, uh, but my least favorite thing about this season of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is the fakery of Jenny's Am I Gonna Get a Sister Wife storyline. Should Dewey get a sister wife? That was my next question. Oh my God, this shit is so made up. It is 
it's more made up than Melissa Gorga's fake lost sister. Oh my god. Yeah, at least she I went mean, to the psychic to like try to push that storyline forward. Yeah, this is like totally dumb. And it's weird because when she's talking about the loss of her stillborn baby, it's very emotional. I think that's all very real. Yeah. But then all this stuff, I think they made up for the cameras. It is really interesting because he's really trying to push it. And I'm like, and they're like trying to be like, well, his grandfather used to have a sister wife. I don't know. Like, it's so bizarre to me. And I'm also like, but this is like what I feel like the producers wanted because I mean, obviously we touch on Mormonism, but we haven't touched on polygamy, you know, that it yes. feels like we this was one of the other talking points within the Salt Lake City world that we needed to hit on. I completely agree with all of that, but I bet. They came up with the storyline and the producers yeah, were like, they ran. Yes, with it. I love yeah. that idea. Yeah. Um, rumors that Leah Remini might be joining Beverly Hills. Do you think she'd actually make a good Beverly Hills housewife? That's a good question. If I think if she had longstanding relationships with like a Lisa Rinna and Garcelle, like those kind of Hollywood people or Kyle Richards, I mean, they, it seems like she might know all these people then. Yes. If not, We'll see. Yeah. Also, I mean, she has her own show with the Scientology. Like, does she need housewives? Well, I think her Unclear. team's probably in a place of like, we need to evolve this before Scientology and your brand of Scientology goes stale. Right. I mean, that could be good. What I have been hoping for and I've been saying forever is for Cynthia Bailey to join Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Really? That's. Oh my God. Yes. I think she fit in so well. I think that she would, the ladies of Atlanta love to scrap unlike the ladies of Beverly Hills. And Cynthia was always kind of the most mild mannered of them. Mm -hmm. So I think that she would be a good way to bring out the drama in the rest of the women while not being too disruptive. I think, and I think it would be good to have two black women on a non black, traditionally black show yeah. together. Yeah. I think um I, th- we need to see that. I think that would help elongate the Bravo franchise is kind of having some of these women hop cities or even I know in OC they were playing around with the idea of making Vicky's daughter a second generation housewife. I think those three three things need to happen to kind of spice things up. We need to have a crossover where a housewife doesn't do a cameo like a Bethany on Beverly Hills, but actually yep. becomes another city housewife. We need... A second generation housewife, I think would be fun to see that we've seen the sisters dynamic, but we need and the cousins dynamic, but I think a mother daughter dynamic would be interesting. And then I think it would be nice to see a gay man cast or a man cast in like a housewives official role. Well, I think that I am happy with housewives being a female only space, but I would like to see. I mean, we're getting a lesbian in Miami. We're getting Martina Navratilova's wife, which I think who is I'm like so excited for. She sounds fucking crazy. And I would also like to see a trans woman maybe Mm -hmm. as a housewife. Um, I think that could be good. So I'm happy to keep it a female only space, but I think you're right. We could branch out more across the LGBTQIA rainbow and find some queer people up in our shows. I like that. Um, Okay, next one. Keep Dorit or bring back Teddy? Oh, oh my God. This is the Sophie's choice ever. I can't believe I am saying this out loud. No. I'm going to say keep Dorit. Okay, I love Dorit. I can't bring back Teddy. Oh, I can't stand Dorit, but oh, at least, favorite. and I hate her clothes, but at least like she can be there for me to hate her clothes and to hate PK. Teddy, I'm just like, why are you here at all? Yeah. Um, so Leah McSweeney and Stassi Schroeder are both penning new like self-help-ish guides for 2022. Leah's is called Chaos Theory, How to Embrace the Unexpected and Find Meaning in the Madness. And Stassi's is titled Off With My Head, The Definitive Basic Bitch Handbook to Surviving Rock Bottom. Who would you most trust to help you survive a crisis, Stassi or Leah? Which guide are you buying? Ooh, I... <laughs> 
That is a very good question. I would buy Stasi's because I'm interested in the story of how she dealt with everything. Yeah. But I'm not taking either of their advice on how to live. I'm not taking any housewife's advice on how to live anything. I might take Ramona's advice on skincare and plastic surgery, but mm. that is the only housewife advice. Why hasn't she done a book on that? Like, obviously, the Ramona coaster was the biggest flop. I think you said on on Jen or Jess's podcast, Hot Takes and Deep Dives, that Ramona's was the least selling book of all the Real Housewives. She it needs- was one of the, yeah, it was. What were some of the others? Um, Cynthia Bailey and Peter wrote a relationship advice oh, book. that's right. I think that was the lowest, lowest. Um, Ramona Coaster was low. Leggy Blonde, the Aviva Drescher yeah, book was really she low. Very likable. I would imagine um, Simon and, and what's her name? Yes, Simon and, uh, oh my God, we can't, I can't even How think can, of her name. Alex, Alex, Alex yeah. Yeah, their book is really low. So yeah, there's a lot. Vicky wrote a book maybe after like the first season. She did. Yeah. That was, I think she was a little too early to it. Yeah. Like if she had waited a few years, it would have maybe done better. Uh Porsche's new spin-off. What do you think? Will it be a hit or will it be a flop? I'm a big Porsche fan, so I will definitely be tuning in. And I think a lot of people will be. I'm curious how good it's going to be on its own. Yeah. It's always hard when you get the housewives on their own because they, they've mastered the formula of that ensemble cast. They've mastered that game, yes. that playing field. But when you give them their own show, it's like throwing them into new territory and they don't really know how to carry it because they know how to be one of the other people on the show, but not a headliner. Absolutely. And I think it's like, girl bands or boy bands where you get the five of them together and they're great, but only one of them is going to have a good solo career, you know? And so I'm curious to see if Portia is that one. I mean, I think she's great television. I think it's going to be a question of who else she has around her. Do you think Lala has potential to be a housewife? I think Lala does have excellent potential to be a housewife. She has a housewife's personality. I think she needs at least a decade under her belt before Mm. she can get there. When I wrote something after the last season of Vanderpump Rules about, you know, what they could do to fix it. And one of my suggestions was kind of a housewives junior with her and Katie and Ariana and at the time Stassi um, and seeing them transition into the next stage of life, becoming mothers trying to balance uh, relate their relationships and a career and all their other goals. I thought that would be a really good show and just have the guys play a peripheral role. I still think that could be a really good idea better than what we have now, which seems like they're trying to keep this hard partying yeah. drama central Vanderpump rules alive and are failing miserable because they're all old and have kids. Yeah. They're in a different, it works on like summer house because on summer house, they're all single or well now Kyle's married, but yes. like they're bare really starting to hit that like married life, like where Katie and Tom were a couple years ago and they were the first ones. Eventually yes. summer house may grow into that stale place if they all eventually continue to grow up, but it works for them now because of the places that they're in, in their life. Well, and I feel like with summer house, you could easily have Kyle and Amanda graduate and you get newer people like Sierra, younger people yeah. who are, you know, it's like the same house well, Sierra's with a little new boring. people. Sierra's not, she's, she's not, little, she's a little boring, but so is Danielle. I mean, yeah. Danielle was a little, but Danny, you need Danielle yeah. around. Like Danielle is such a good utility player. Yeah. Like she's so good at maintaining Lindsay, who yeah. is like such the star of the show yeah. that you need the Danielle's of the world. I yeah. Think. The balance. Um, yeah. Same reason you need like a Kyle Richards, even though people feel like she doesn't bring very much. She brings what she or a Melissa Gorga or a Sonia Morgan um, or a Robin Dixon. Yeah. People are like, Robin doesn't bring anything. Robin brings everything. And you don't <laughs> even realize until she's gone and, and you'll miss her. Yeah. Um, Brock, what do you think of him and Sheena? Do you think they're going to last? No, mm. but I I'm ready for them to break up and for Brock to start an OnlyFans. Oh, yeah. I will subscribe. Like, a, I will a, like a, and subscribe. Aquaman themed OnlyFans. 
Like he needs to lean into this knockoff Aquaman. I mean, he should be in the Aquaman porn parody of yeah. Aquaman. I would I would pay money for that, even if he were having sex with Logan. <laughs> um, that's actually my favorite kind of porn. I love watching guys go down on a girl. That's what gets interesting. Me yeah. Interesting. I enjoy like a bisexual porn. Like, I don't mind if there are ladies around, but what I really want at the end of the day is to see hot people enjoying themselves. Yeah. And so if it's like a hot dude enjoying a lady, I'm like into it. Yeah. Um, okay. Final, final shady spitfire. Marlo has finally gotten her peach. Are you excited for her? Or do you think this peach has grown, grown moldy at this point? I am excited for her if only to see her home life, because mm. I think that her with those nephews that she takes care of is fascinating. And I wish we could have seen more of that over the past few years. And I'm excited to see a new depth to Marlo because I think it's really going to humanize her and we're going to, like her even more that she's not just going to be like mean and shady. She'll also have this thing where she's like taking care of young people and seemingly doing a decent job. So I'm very excited to see that. We'll see. I kind of feel like she's going to get her peach this season and she's going to lose it. (laughs) I mean, there's always that possibility. I'm just so excited. Sheree is back. I don't know why they got rid of her either time. I think she's one of the best of the best. And I am more excited for Sheree to be back than Marlo. Even though I'm ideologically opposed to bringing women back, Sheree is the one exception, I would think. I agree. Brian Moylan, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Where can people go and follow you on all the social meds? Um, You can find me at Brian J. Moylan everywhere. You can buy the book at thehousewivesbook.com. You can sign up for my newsletter at vulture.com slash housewives. And you can find me on Grinder. My name is Mustache Rides. Oh, are guys taking taking a ride on the mustache? I mean, it's been known to happen. (laughs) I love it. Everyone needs to go and grab a copy of The Housewives, the real story behind The Real Housewives. It's on sale right now. Brian, thank you again so much. Guys, give me a follow at Just Plain Zach if you want to keep up with me. Slide into my DMs. Yes, I am very single. You can follow the show at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram. We go live every Tuesdays and Thursday nights. New episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I have a live to tape tonight. We're taping this on Tuesday, so I'm going to chat with you all very soon. So go and give me a follow right now. Love you. Mean it. Don't forget to get some Housewives-inspired rosé at nofilterwine.com. Let me know which ones you're drinking this weekend and send me your pics. Preferably clothed, because I've seen some of your crazy, wild bachelorette parties, (laughs) and y'all be getting wild. All right, guys. Love you. Mean it. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.